Welcome to the Healthy Hair Podcast. Your host, Dr. Amy Brenner, is a board-certified OBGYN with additional certifications in functional and integrative medicine. This podcast is meant to help women find reliable, relevant information to help them feel better, look better, and live better. Here, you will hear in-depth information about hormones, sexual medicine, aesthetics, cosmetic gynecology, and functional medicine. Hey, podcast friends. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Her. Today, we're going to be talking about poop. I know, we've never talked about poop on this podcast, but I think everybody, this is something, number one, everybody poops. Hopefully, you're doing it every day. But we're going to talk about why having healthy poop is really important. So we got some really great uh, guests. They've both been on our podcast before. Some of my favorite people in this office, Dr. Jennifer Tiemann and our nurse practitioner, Jessica Dayton, who um, they are poop experts. So welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. So first question, why should somebody do? Well, first of all, what is a poop test? What are we even talking about here? Yeah, so they go by a lot of different names. A couple different companies offer them, but it's really a comprehensive stool analysis. So you're literally pooping in a cup. You provide one sample, comes with a nice FedEx mailer, get it in the mail, send it off, and they're going to run pretty much every test you could imagine on your stool. Yeah, so a little disgusting. When you guys talk to people about it, do you get like the, ooh, that's really disgusting, really? You want me to do that? Um, no, I feel like people are like, okay, especially, I mean, nowadays there are people are interested in it and they're kind of like, okay, it's, especially because it's one sample. It's not like they have to do it a bunch of times. Okay. So wh- why would somebody want to do a stool analysis? So everyone could benefit from benefit from a stool analysis. So I think the biggest misconception is that you need to have GI symptoms to qualify for testing. You know, people think constipation, heartburn, diarrhea, but really our stool is the key to our overall health. That good commensal bacteria, that microbiome is the foundation for our health response. Um, And so, you know, every person could benefit from understanding more about their stool. So sometimes when I bring this up to um, a lot of people, I hear that, okay, well, I have a GI. um, I'm just going to talk to my GI about it. What what has your your guys' experience been in, in that situation? So it's good to see them because they can always make sure that there's nothing seriously going wrong. But unfortunately, because how our health system is, if there's nothing serious going on, then they're just like, oh, it's okay. You just probably have IBS and, you know, try to eat the standard American diet is pretty much what they say. And then they don't really get any relief or any answers. So this is a better comprehensive of like what is going on, what is actually you can work on to make healthier. Yeah, I hear from my patients all the time, well, yes, I've had a colonoscopy. Well, what did you learn from your colonoscopy? Well, nothing. They told me everything was fine. And there's really a lack of conversation, um, not not across the board, but more often than not that there isn't much follow-up after you see a GI physician um, told that your colonoscopy is normal and then come back in five years. Yeah. So, I mean, we all, the three of us, 
refer a ton to GI because there's absolutely a role for that. Like, I think everybody over 45 should get a colonoscopy. And its main role is to screen for colon cancer and polyps and um, for people that need it to get an endoscopy. And there's absolutely a role for that. So I don't think any of us are saying that you shouldn't see a GI doctor for that. Or if you have rectal bleeding or... um, Unexplained weight loss. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Definitely bleeding from the rectum or losing weight. Um, those are, you know, I think they're very important reasons that I'd like to even see the results of a normal colonoscopy before I move forward with stool testing to make sure we are ruling out those, you know, serious life-threatening things. And and you mentioned that people that should do a stool test, it's more than just um, bloating, gas, abdominal pain, but certainly you can get Those are a subset of people where a stool analysis is helpful. But at least in my patients, we're using it to give us information more than just GI symptoms. So what are some symptoms that somebody would come to you with um, that has nothing to do with GI stuff, but this symptom that they should do a stool test? So Hashimoto's is a big one because usually... It's some sort of autoimmune disorder, and your immune system is actually made in your gut, so that's really important. Um, if you have skin stuff or if you're just really fatigued and you've worked on everything, you know, we've optimized your hormones and your vitamins, and you're just like, I just don't know why I'm so tired, and that's always a good place to look. So even acne with skin stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or any kind of skin rash, or you mentioned Hashimoto. So really, I, I guess I would expand that to anybody with any autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. since your immune system is in your gut. Definitely hormonal symptoms, PMS, mood irritability, um, irregular menstrual periods. We can find out a lot from your stool about your hormones. Yeah. Even hair loss. So I've, or even unexplained, like, why can't I lose weight? So I've done all the things, like I track my macros like I worked with nutritionists like I looked at my thyroid like I think even doing a stool test for somebody who has weight issues can give us some information so essentially really any complaint you should do a stool test and so why is that what information or what data points are we getting from a stool test yeah well i think one of the most important things we're evaluating is do you have um, something that's not supposed to be there so a pathogen and that could be a parasite that you picked up from drinking in a stream when you were camping or from travel from eating food that could be an overgrowth of yeast we all think about yeast and vaginal infections or maybe even skin fold infections but you can get a yeast infection inside your gut that makes you sleep poorly and gain weight and feel super anxious. Um, You can get a bacterial overgrowth. We're looking for viruses, bacteria like H. pylori, which has been implicated in um, ulcers and heartburn. So first and foremost, is there something that's not supposed to be there that is overgrowing? Um, Next, I would say- So if you have yeast in your gut, like- could that also be a reason why somebody keeps getting recurrent vaginal infections? So is that another kind of role of I get these recurrent vaginal infections, so I should do a stool test? Absolutely. Yes. So, okay, keep going. So bad bugs in your gut. That's one information we find out. 
And then next, really looking at that balance of the good bacteria. So we call those our commensal bacteria. And that bacteria is really established by the time we're two years old. So if we were breastfed, if we were um, born by cesarean section versus vaginal delivery, if we had to be on antibiotics for recurrent ear infections or strep throat, um, what our parents fed us, you know, did we eat good bacteria? Um, All of those things are really setting our microbiome to fail us. So we're looking at that balance to see, because that's going to help protect us. It's also going to help us form that immune barrier. So I say that would be the next thing. So we're looking at something called secretory IgA, which is a window into leaky gut. So a lot of people have heard leaky gut in relation to autoimmune diseases. We can actually tell you if you have leaky gut. We can measure your immune function within your GI tract through your stool. And if you have enough digestive enzymes, that will show up on there too. And then if you have um, antibodies to gliadin, which is always good for gluten sensitivity, to know yeah, if so you can really tell you if you're gluten sensitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of inflammatory markers are being checked, so that would um, exclude something like um, inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, or ulcerative colitis. And then I think my favorite is beta-glucuronidase. So that is an enzyme that helps us conjugate and eliminate toxins from our GI tract. And the idea is if you have elevated levels of beta-glucuronidase, you will not um, conjugate and poop out your toxins. You actually reabsorb them into your circulation. So that can play a huge role in someone who's dealing with hormonal imbalances, um, especially if they feel like, well, I've tried hormone replacement therapy, and it worked for a little while and then stopped working, probably has a lot to do with your poop. Hmm. Because you're not eliminating all the hormones that your body makes? Exactly. Yeah. And we have different things we can do to um, change that enzyme. And it's incredible to see how hormonal symptoms improve from that. Interesting. Anything else that the stool test, or is that pretty much all the info that... It gives us. Yeah, the pancreatic enzymes really looking to see if you're um, digesting food appropriately, absorbing nutrients. We will test for blood in the stool. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of sums it up. All right. Um, you talked about getting an unhealthy microbiome. Why would somebody even have an unhealthy microbiome? Well, we live in America. So we spray all of our food with everything. Um, We're really heavy on sugar where that yeast really loves that. Um, So antibiotic use, C-sections, not being breastfed, getting um, food poisoning can lead to issues. So um, and then uh, PPIs, so omeprazole, that will mess up from the top as soon as you start eating all of your gastric juices are not as acidic as they should be. So then it's not flushing out your system. So then your bacteria that you overgrows that shouldn't be there. Stress. So cortisol actually regulates the secretory IgA, uh, which is the gut immune barrier. So you can stress your way into an unhealthy microbiome. Yeah. Could you just go over like, and, and we probably already went over this, but just to reiterate, Why is it so important to have a healthy microbiome? It is your first line of defense. So the um, 
That, I guess what's back up, what, is he, what does that even mean, a microbiome, for somebody that doesn't even know what that means? That is your good commensal bacteria. So that's the balance of the good bacteria, which are, again, going to play a role in the immune barrier. So that epithelial layer, that's your first line of defense, as well as preventing the overgrowth from the things that aren't supposed to be there. Now, some infections are going to be so overwhelming for the system that you could have the best microbiome possible and you're still going to get sick from that. But the idea is if you you have a healthy microbiome, you might be exposed to a pathogen um, or something like yeast, which is everywhere. It's just kind of waiting to overgrow. But if you have that healthy, good uh, microbiome, you're going to be able to prevent that infection. Hmm. Can somebody just say, well, look, I take a probiotic every day or I eat yogurt and it has probiotics. Isn't that just good enough? And I can just assume that I have a good microbiome. No. I mean, there are so many different probiotics is the hard thing, too. And this test will tell you exactly what you need. So you might have been taking one probiotic for a very long time, but that bacteria you might have an overgrow in or you just don't need that when you need a different probiotic. So it's um, helps you figure out which ones you actually need versus like just kind of guessing in the dark of like this should help. It's a little bit better. Yeah. And probiotics are a very important tool in the toolbox, but... The reality is we have trillions of bacteria within our large intestine, and a probiotic at best is 100 billion colonies, which I know sounds like a lot, but it is kind of a drop in the ocean. So you're using probiotics to influence the microbiome, um, but there are so many other things that we would involve in your treatment regimen beyond just taking a probiotic. So which leads me to my next question is, so you get this stool test back, and um what do you do with the information or what can you ex- tell somebody what to expect of what they're going to have to do when you get the test results back? How are you going to fix it? Yeah, so I would absolutely be prepared from some dietary changes. So just the reality is um, you can, with three to four days of dietary changes, you can influence your microbiome in a positive way. And conversely, three to four days of eating a bunch of junk, you can kind of ruin your microbiome. So in our standard American diet, it's very difficult to get enough fiber. um, And we rarely are consuming any prebiotics. Prebiotics are just those resistant starches that are going to feed our good bacteria. They're the fuel for our colon cells. Um, So expect we're going to be switching up your diet. So it's including more fiber, prebiotics, and kind of some really selective supplements to target the specific imbalances in your microbiome. And then we also have supplements that will probably tell you to take two that will help support the microbiome getting healthy and getting rid of pathogens that you don't need. So I know a lot of people are like, oh, that seems like a lot of supplements. But again, we just don't eat healthy and we don't have like a lot of the spices and different things that other people in different countries eat. You know, we're not making teas and growing stuff in our backyard. And even if we are, it's not it's not exactly how they live in 
more rural areas. Yeah. So specifically for pathogens, sometimes we are going to pull out um, a prescription, so a pharmaceutical to treat the pathogen. In other instances, we'll be able to use all natural, all herbals um, that have those antibiotic properties to kind of kill off that bacteria that's not supposed to be there. Um, a big thing that we focus on is stomach acid. So up until a couple of years ago, I thought stomach acid was negative because <laughs> everybody always talks about heartburn. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea is it's actually stomach acid, a healthy amount of stomach acid that helps to control the sphincter at the end of the esophagus so that um, acid isn't refluxing into the esophagus or what people call heartburn. And when we kill off all of our stomach acid with proton pump inhibitors and H2 histamine blockers, we're actually killing our microbiome by doing that. So we're allowing overgrowth of bacteria that aren't supposed to be there because it was that acidic environment that actually killed those bacteria off. So we focus a lot on stomach acid. Um, We can do some really natural things to restore that with apple cider vinegar, but we'll pull out some supplements as well when we need to. So, I mean, there are so many people who are on acid blockers, and I don't think I've ever really seen a healthy person who is on a acid blocker because that's just I mean that's just a setup for kind of all these things we talked about about destroying the microbiome and bad bug overgrowth and when I see people on that like you're not supposed to be on that forever um but now that they're over the counter or even unfortunately through GI doctors, people are taking them for years and years at a time. And then they're developing significant vitamin deficiencies. And vitamins are, are cofactors in our Krebs cycle. You know, how do we make energy, ATP? How do we detoxify our system, our methylation? You need those vitamins to do that. So then you live years and years with a vitamin deficiency. And again, you're just compounding poor health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just, you know, I I think like if I did nothing else in my career as a doctor, if I got a lot of people off acid blockers, birth control pills and antidepressants. Now, certainly there's a role for those in select people, but for most people um, getting off of those kind of medications as soon as possible, like I feel like if I did nothing else, I would make a huge impact in this world. (laughs) Um, sometimes people ask me like, well, what tests do you do? And this is actually one of those tests that I think is so important that I actually like to do at least once a year. But um, even though I try to do like a lot of things right, you know, I still find abnormalities on my stool test. So then I'm ended up ending up doing it a couple times a year. How often are you telling your people, your patients to uh, repeat this test or do this test? I think it depends on the findings. Um, If we diagnose you with a pathogen, we will ask to retest that about two months after you finish our protocol so we can be sure that we eradicated the bacteria. Um, If it's someone who's having IBS symptoms, I would say the same thing. We're going to provide a protocol and then we would love to retest in two to three months. For everyone else, I think once a year is very appropriate. So we talked about the you know, this is something that everybody should do or for those non-GI symptoms. But what is your success rate um, or experience when you actually do this for somebody that does have IBS or chronic constipation or chronic diarrhea? I've had a few patients that don't know what to do with themselves, especially if they're going to the bathroom multiple times a day. They actually are able to do things and 
be able to leave the house and not be like, okay, if I eat this, then I'm going to know this bathroom is here because this bathroom is here because I'm not going to make it. So less stress is a little bit one of those big things that is definitely helpful for them. And then just feeling better overall, you know, not having the bloating and, you know, not worried about exactly what we're going to eat and feeling more control over their body. Yes, I would say the success rate is pretty high. Um, we also treat a condition called SIBO, and I recently saw someone who had 12-pound weight loss, her bloating completely resolved. It was ruining her life. She, you know, as soon as she would eat anything during the day, she would look like she was four months pregnant and felt just awful. And we're eight weeks after, or eight weeks into the treatment, and she's 100% improved. So we definitely see that. We definitely yeah. see success with it. So for those of you listening, Jessica actually uh, was on this podcast. It was number 66. So if you want to go back and uh, listen to the SIBO episode to find more information about SIBO. So sometimes you need to do more than just this stool analysis, but actually look for um, SIBO. So, well, thanks, guys. I think this was super helpful of... uh, why anybody should look at their poop and have a healthy, um, healthy stool. So thanks for joining us. And if you like this podcast, uh, I really would appreciate it if you could take some time and give us a five-star review. We'll leave a link in the show notes of how to go about doing that. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Her. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and the web. Go to www.dramybrenner.com to learn more. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute as medical advice, the practice of medicine, nursing or other healthcare services. No patient-physician relationship is formed. The information in the podcast and any references, material or links are at the sole discretion of the listener and not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Listeners should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical issues or diagnoses that they may have and should seek medical advice from their healthcare provider for any such conditions.